Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time talking for about. Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Dan. Top of the morning to you. Well, thanks. Oh, and the rest of the day to you, sir. <laughs> there you right? Go. Yeah. That's the digs. I didn't know. I, I didn't know that actually until like a year or so ago. Are you having trouble hearing out of your headphones? I think someone raided the studio of all the quality headphones. Do I need to get you a new pair of headphones? Let me go get you a pair of headphones. Okay. Yeah. That'd be that'd Matt. be really nice. I'd like to hear what people are saying, including uh, myself. <laughs> all right. Hold on. <laughs> well, it's. Uh, sort of unbelievable here but uh we're already more than halfway through the month of october the time does seem to be flying by and it this week felt uh, a bizarro mix of summer and fall and uh i can't help but say that the uh, economy felt like uh, it was pretty volatile too not quite knowing whether it was to be good or bad pretty exciting week yeah it was really exciting it's uh seems to be the the norm lately what what were you saying the other day volatility the new norm by by the volatility index i'm telling you it can't you can't go wrong with that right now i think it's fascinating to me the my favorite part about watching what goes on within like the markets right now is so uh, goes from really bad to well, good thing it didn't close that bad. And then the next day is, hey, how about that? We're making money again. Well, what did we see this week? We saw wild swings where the stock market was down almost 500 points and then closes only down 150. And, you know, it did that several times this week where there was just those those wild roller coaster kind of rides. And um, what was really fascinating was watching the bond market because that's closer to home, right? That, yeah. That's what impacts our mortgage rates. And we saw the bond market dip, the, the 10-year yield in particular, that benchmark interest rate, dip below 2%. It was funny. This morning when I was um, kind of fine-tuning what I came in to talk about, one of the things I do is I grab my notes from my Tuesday meeting and kind of refresh them and see what's in there. On Tuesday, I wrote, with an exclamation mark that the the ten year bond was hanging around two point two three and that was pretty cool, and I do I remember feeling on Tuesday like that's pretty good. It it continues to put some soft downward pressure and then yeah I I don't I didn't see it with my own eyes but I read at some point it actually touched into like the one eight nine or something. It just wow. wild how when's far. the last time that ten year yield was below two percent. Um, before the bond taper talk, um, I think it was 18 months ago. At least. Because the, the where we were, you know, the 2.3% the was an 18-month low. So. I'll tell you something I know for sure. Hmm. We started the year at 3.05. Holy cow. Pretty remarkable little reduction. Who would have thought? Who, who guessed this? I want to know. Who guessed that Nobody. rates... 
at the beginning of the year, we're going to be a percent lower at this point. Nobody guessed that. And nobody was going to guess that. Um, I remember thinking that the everything I was reading, all the smartest guys in the room said that if for no other reason than just the um, decline in volume, the market kind of cooling off and years adding up here in this recession that rates were going to be higher by the end of the year, many said by at least one, one percentage point. And now here we are, almost the flip-flop of that. I wouldn't say rates are a whole percentage point better. Close, though. Yeah, three-quarters-ish maybe. That's a lot. It's yeah, a, yeah. It's a lot. What's interesting, too, is I look around at, at this week's headlines. Granted, there's not a lot of market-moving news this week. Next week should be... Could could be a, a another roller coaster ride because there's a lot of news and we're getting used to volatile markets in general. Um, but this week kind of light. But as I I still look around and see some of the headlines from this week, and I see jobless claims hitting a 14 year low, California home sales rise, U.S. economy showing its resiliency, apartment construction spurs housing starts. Um, these are all positive headlines. U.S. factory output rises. These are all positive headlines. Normally, that would push rates higher up on positive news, and well, there was a we've couple, seen a massive decline. There was a couple parts early in the week where, um, so you got to remember, first of all, last week was uh, a no-news week. I mean, all we really got was the Fed's minutes, and then to pay some attention to other things going on overseas, things that might be causing problems, things like Ebola. Yeah, I was gonna say. I guess that's what I didn't cut out this week. That those are the articles I I didn't cut out the Ebola scares and things like that that actually do affect the markets. They sure do. They really do. And um, and then additionally, you know, we found out first part of the week here. So and, and by the way, Monday was a holiday. Bond market closed. Short weeks are usually volatile weeks, and they're volatile for the good or the bad. I have a few theories about it. One of which, though, is the companies that were making their rate sheets, you know, on Friday, um, companies knowing that most commerce was going to be greatly reduced, if not closed on Monday, usually a good idea to kind of hedge your bet going into that short week. I think there was downward pressure on interest rates last week, and I think there was some downward pressure on the stock market. Then we had a short week. And everyone just waiting to see what was going to happen. Wednesday was quite a surpriser. Um, and for those of you that managed to read the headlines up in the middle there, um, they said interest rates were um, hitting you know, all-time lows was what some of these folks were beginning to say. And it proved to be relatively short-lived. Um, big, big sell-off on Wednesday. Thursday, things were a little bit worse. Uh, Friday, a little bit worse yet. Almost where we started the week. Not quite um, rate-wise. We gained a little bit of ground, I guess I'd say. But super exciting. Um, yeah, it's exciting. You know why? Our ads now are showing rates, 30-year rates in the threes again. Right. That's exciting. It is. I think uh, more people need to catch on to that. The... Refi fever. You remember refi fever just a couple few years ago? Uh, everybody was refining. We had clients that were refining for a second and third time. Um, it was in the air. Everybody knew. 
if you had a loan, you probably ought to go talk to somebody about it because you're probably going to be able to save some money or shorten your term. And then rates just kind of barely went up and it died all too fast. So I'm inviting another round of refi fever. I'd love to hear it. Well, for the last year and a half or so, people have been buying homes. The market has definitely switched to, to more of a purchase market. Um, people have been buying homes with rates around four and a half, yeah. four and three quarters, something like that. So does this, are where rates are now, I mean, it seems like it presents an opportunity to... Even though they're brand new into this house, or you know, relatively new into this house, does it make sense to refi and, yeah. and get it down a half a point or something like that? There was one one client where I worked on loan this week, um, just kind of a standout deal here. But um, this guy bought a house in San Luis Obispo, um, got the maximum conforming loan amount of five hundred sixty one thousand two hundred dollars in February. And I'm drafting up a refinance for him right now where um, he can get 3.875. So going, you know, just from the 4.375 to the 3.875, he saves a couple hundred bucks a month. The break-even point on the loan. So it's going to cost him a little bit because he's going to have some closing costs, a title and escrow and appraisal mainly. Um, but those fees there are altogether like twenty six hundred bucks. But then he saves two hundred bucks a month, so it's like thirteen months to break even. Um, Who to guess? And you want to know what's funny? I, not I shouldn't say funny. Not funny. When he bought the house in February, decided that rates were probably as low as they were going to be and paid a point. <laughs> so it just goes to show you that what's going on right here is pretty unexpected. Um, and yeah, well, and on top of the rate being lower, home prices have continued to go up. I, I think back to a couple of our friends who bought a home in San Luis Obispo over in the, what is it? The, the Laguna Lake neighborhood. There are similar homes being listed for 50 to $75,000 higher than what they paid, which is about a 10 to 15% increase in value in about a year. Um, I mean, for them, it, and they put 10% down, so they may be in a position where to get out of the they can get out of the mortgage mortgage insurance and lower the interest rate. So, I mean, the double the double whammy there. For yeah, them. it always depends. Um, yeah, good good going, Dan. I wanted to talk about this today, and I forgot I wanted to talk about this today. Um, I got a I got a call. I'm training a new loan officer this week, and I got a call from a client that said. Um, not actually a client, but a referral from a client says, I have mortgage insurance and I'd really um, like to get out of my mortgage insurance. But so I start looking at it and they have a, a three and a quarter, a 30 year fix with mortgage insurance. So I say, well, it's really important to understand what kind of loan you have. I'm not gonna just start quoting rates as though we're just gonna do a new loan. Um, cause truth be told, if you just went in and refied that right now, it's going to be more expensive. The interest rates going up for sure. We don't have three and a quarter, 30 year fix without some pretty hefty, uh, closing costs on that thing. So, you know, for sure the interest rates going to be going up and if the mortgage insurance stops, that's okay. I mean, you could justify a higher interest rate if the mortgage insurance stops and that couples well with the plan that you have. 
Mortgage insurance on its own will stop between 2 and 11 years gener generally. But your interest rate could last you for 30. So you have to weigh out how long you're going to be in the house and what's more important to you, the long-term play of having the best possible rate or the more short-term play of getting rid of the mortgage insurance, perhaps trading into a higher interest rate. So um, several calls like that right in a row on Monday. People were looking to get out of their mortgage insurance, no real way out of the mortgage insurance um, without changing something for the little bit worse. And you know what we found out is the, the first call was just a conventional loan. So that's one where uh, I kind of schooled them up on how to go and challenge their mortgage insurance. They're gonna go get the paperwork, do the packet, and hope to get their servicer to cancel their mortgage insurance so that they could keep their good low rate, you know, kind of have the cake and eat it too. Second caller proves to have an FHA loan. Uh, the FHA loan that they have has life of loan mortgage insurance. Great low interest rate, 3.7 or 3.375, very good rate. Uh, mortgage insurance for its entire life. So you effectively, that rate's effectively 4.75. Uh, time to time to get a new loan. Um, so no brainer, though the rate's going up, the mortgage insurance would kill that thing for its life. And now you could get a conventional loan without mortgage insurance. So those are really good to look at. As far as other people, if your interest rate is more than four and a quarter for whatever you have, whatever kind of loan you have, if you're paying more than four and a quarter uh, or you have mortgage insurance, it's a great time to call. Already seeing loan applications around the office, the buzz this week was you could accomplish a no-cost refi. And when I say no-cost, it's like no out-of-pocket fee cost. You're going to get a higher rate but pay more over time that way. Still a lower rate than what you have today. People are accomplishing those right now um, around the 4% mark. So it's a good time to look into it. And if it if it doesn't, if it, you look into it and something you don't qualify for, it doesn't shape up, isn't going to do what you want it to do, then no harm, no foul. But it's good to, good to keep up on that. Our Kind of our single most important bill. You heard my phone ding a second ago yeah i was gonna say normally we're not so salesy on the radio but it just is kind well, of a, it's an opportunity do, well sometimes today. you just gotta tell people yeah you know hey we're we are a mortgage company we're always doing the, the home loan thing if you ever need one come see us i think that's the general tone today people really need to know if you have mortgage insurance or if you have an interest rate that's higher than four and a quarter it's probably a good time to pick up the phone and call. And um, because it's such a great opportunity, one of our loan officers decided he'd uh, forego Saturday morning cartoons and he'd come on into the office. <laughs> so <laughs> you could give him a call if if you're one of the folks that that Jason's talked about that that should be calling. Call our other Jason in the office at five four three loan. It's five four three five six two six. Yep. It's just a good idea. And, you know, honestly, most of the loan officers at the company, uh, in fact, I should say all, are just fun to talk to. They're good people, not going to run into any, you know, bizarro salesman thing. We certainly don't capture your phone and, and hammer you every day like a used car salesman. Not the game at all. Um, everybody in our company has the same spirit of, 
you don't ask if you don't ask we can't help you so you have to initiate this by stepping forward then we can talk through it if there's a deal there great if there's not uh, at least we've sat down and figured it out too many people sit home saying i won't qualify or there's always a catch or refinancing gives me 30 years again or i know i can't save a whole point so it's not worth it according to dad all those things are generally false. Um, don't qualify yourself. You're no good at that. That's not what you do for a living. That's what we do. Um, don't believe what you hear about needing to save a whole point to refi. The logic behind it is make sure you're comparing what you're gaining with the cost of it. You, know, you can't spend 10,000 bucks to save 50 bucks a month and find that a good deal. So we gotta, we gotta closely monitor that. Um, and then also, uh, you don't always have to get 30 years. My favorite refis that I ever do are helping people that have a loan that's five years old. So they've only got 25 years to go. And then we could redo them a new loan for like 20 years. So instead of losing the five they did, they're going to pick up an extra five. And then we got them on a 20-year plan where they're going to be able to retire sooner. Those are fun. That's, I like those a lot more than the guy that just shows up, you know, every few years to get a new 30 year loan and see if he can get that other 18,000 bucks out in equity, you know? Uh, anyway, I, I digress. It's 922. We are uh, here for another hour and a half. I'd love to hear from you guys. If you have comments or questions, you're welcome to call in and share them. We are going to be joined by Wes Burke for the middle hour. Um, and so, That'll be fun to catch up with him on what's going on in real estate. Uh, we're going to be uh, out for a quick break here, so go get new coffee or do what you got to do. We'll be back in a couple minutes for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. We recently made the jump to direct lender. That's right, now we can do your loan in-house, but we still broker too. We choose based on getting the best loan terms for you. We don't know what to call it yet, but you'll call it amazing. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on Central Coast, Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Jim was really pumped for this song, but then uh, I think this was just a, a wee bit before my time. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Speed Racer? Yeah. Wasn't this, this was like the first kind of cartoon where they like would Japanese. make a, yeah. a, uh, like a paper cut out and then slide it across a page and film it. Something like that. Yeah. Or like flip books or something. I was aware this cartoon existed, but I don't think I ever saw it. I, I both knew it existed and saw it, but yeah, it's older. I mean, if now if he had busted out like uh, some Ducktales, yeah, yeah, that's Casper the Friendly Ghost, <laughs> you know, Felix the Cat, Scooby George Doo? the Jungle, Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo. That's where that's where I was Saturday morning uh, all those years ago. All right, we'll see if we can get Looney Tunes. There we go. <laughs> that's fun. Right. Yeah, we need some Roadrunner or something. Hey, so you mentioned all the good news. I'm proud of you. You clipped out all the real positive stuff. Um, yeah. There was there was some stuff that wasn't great. I mean, at, at least the I think a couple of the ones that started to show the sell-off on Wednesday, kind of a, a sleepy retail sales number, um, and then a producer price index that wasn't very good, that – was the only thing I could really find to blame how you go down by 500 points. Ebola. You think so? Yeah. I don't know. Hey, we've got a caller waiting on the line. We've got Don in San Luis Obispo. Good morning, Don. How you doing? Hey, good morning. I'm appreciating your conversation this morning and your subject matter. Uh, something that um, has come to my mind over some years of watching this kind of thing is I don't believe we have a healthy economy until the banks begin to pay some interest for your money. It's just a, a thermometer thing, but all other indications sort of um, melt away when you think about the banks don't need your money sufficiently to pay right. for it. Well, that was one of the things that definitely has been talked about this last week in, in terms, too, of sparking this last sell-off is is now the headlines are turning to, is Europe headed into a recession um, and things looking dark there. It turns out the ECB would like to see the U.S. raise our rates faster to help actually spur them on a little bit. Whereas the feds, and they talked about this in the meeting minutes, the feds are looking towards not lowering rates right away Rising. and hoping that, or not in, increasing rates overnight here in hopes that 
uh, Europe will have take some swift action on their part and do their own measures to get their economy up to speed. But it does, it creates some, um, a stronger dollar. It has an effect on import-export to the U.S. And so it means, honestly, that now, even though our country's in a position to begin, I think, to stomach some higher rates, now we've got the rest of the world lagging behind, preventing us from being able to take that next step. Well, and there's still the concern over the inflation numbers, that inflation isn't at the target. It's still running below the 2% target, and raising rates will not help inflation achieve that goal. But Maybe it's only instinctive. But it just seems that um, our own government doesn't have sufficient um, confidence in our economy right now to take their hands away from it. It feels very propped up, which makes you think the market can't withstand that forever, that sooner or later people are realizing they're not getting money until they sell their stock. And that's just not a, a healthy sign to me. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you gentlemen discuss it, but that's my comment for today. Thanks, Don. appreciate it. Thank you. You know, I'll I'll start this little bit here by saying that um, I, I'm going to concede that everything's relative, okay? Because the overnights rate is zero to quarter percent, and that's the, the Fed fund target rate for the economy right now. It's low. That's intended to keep money moving. They don't actually want you saving your money. They want your money turning through the economy, helping create jobs. Uh, providing that demand, um, and ultimately being able to create more commerce where we can grow GDP. One of the So I get that that being kind of the benchmark, everything's going to be sort of tied to that monetary policy. But now I want to turn your attention to the 30-year fixed, okay? The 30-year fixed rate mortgage is an investment vehicle that you may very well have to wait 30 years for this thing to mature especially when it's good low interest rates like we've been having for the last several years. Um, this is not set by the federal government. This rate is not set um, by anything other than what the market is willing to pay for it. And we had a really watchful eye over this because the Fed's been buying the mortgage-backed securities, sort of a guaranteed buyer um, of mortgage-backed securities now. It's a couple trillion dollars, right? My way off on that, it was one and a quarter trillion to begin with after QE1 and QE2. We had, you know. But that included bailouts and various things like that. Sure. you. But a lot of that money actually ended up, too, going into securities. And then mm -hmm. QE3 was specifically buying bonds and mortgage-backed securities, tune of $85 billion a month. I don't remember how long it ran for. It ran for an awful long time. So we were sitting on this stockpile of government-purchased U.S. mortgage-backed securities, okay? And everybody sort of along the way watching the Fed stockpile these at this really low rate is like, well, that's good. They're keeping the mortgage market moving. The announcement and acknowledgement of the Fed exiting that caused interest rates to go up. And for me, I, I like to just dumb things down to the most simple thing is saying, Let's just say that you had a lemonade stand and every day you could count on a handful of sales. It was like when your mom pulled into the driveway and when your dad got home, um, they were going to buy a cup from you every single day. You could kind of charge what you want. Um, they're more or less the one buying the lemonade ingredients. And it's this really incestuous little mix. It's hard to tell what the market value of that lemonade is. There aren't a lot of other people buying it. 
That's what happened in the mortgage-backed securities market here for years. And now that they're gone, and I mean, this this month is it. They're out of the market, and they've been coming out at a pretty good clip and did you know a nice constant thing and worked right through a lot of doubt and a lot of fear and a lot of concern. Um, and what we're learning is that the market is actually going to require a lower rate without that guaranteed buyer of the Fed than what it was before. And this we know because interest rates are lower now than they are when we started the taper. So if it's not set by the Fed and it's out offered by the free market, the free market still perceives a 30-year fixed at something below 4%. I'm going to argue that the whole economy still fills the dependency for those really low rates. And so I don't know, you know, free market doesn't get to set what visa charges for their rate or what, you know, any of these different lending institutions charge for an auto loan or whatever. Um, in the mortgage market, nobody gets to set that. It's not a settable deal. So it's, it's sort of just going to rise and fall with, with investor sentiment. And I find it fascinating that in seven years of this recession, we're kind of like still not ready for rates to go up. But to Don's point, I'm looking forward to some higher rates for my personal um, household balance sheets. A lot of people do need that back, need that savings back, need that uh, incentive to save, but also just to see the savings and um, things that they do have building in value and we don't have that yeah and it's <clears throat> excuse me with the with the low interest rates really the opportunity is for mortgage refinance or debt consolidation that kind of thing but the running joke is we just went through that and so when we dip down with low rates again it's the same people who already benefited from the right. last round of refinancing are going to benefit again or maybe there's a few new people who bought homes who can lower their payment but people who maybe don't even have a mortgage and rely on some return on investment. Yeah, some... that's what I was going to say. Imagine the people that not only don't have a mortgage, but don't even use credit. They right. could care less about your 0% car loan or your 3% 30-year fix. They're not borrowing money, so it's pretty offensive to have the season of low interest so long that you're not able to even make any money on your savings anymore. Right, and I, and that that is a, a good point. There's a lot of people who who rely on that. And then Don made a point that I really hadn't even thought about. The only way they can get at their money, since it's not earning them anything um, with the low interest rates, the only way they can get at it is by selling stocks or selling you know, various funds that they're invested in. Um, so that is contributing to that volatility. Yeah. And it, it, we're still not in a normal market, that's for sure. And um, I'm not positive what normal is. <laughs> I really, I really don't know anymore, honestly. It's when you don't have stimulus and maybe don't have volatility. I you know, know, I'm gonna. It's been I just, ten years. I just want to tell you. <laughs> I just want to tell you this for everybody's benefit. Uh, we enjoy talking about things that we have zero control over, <laughs> um, and it's and it's fun. But here's the real deal. All of this interest rate talk and all the fun that goes along with it and everything cooks down to one thing, and it's that 
there's still some pretty wicked affordability right now because of these really low rates. And then also, if it's not just affordability that you're after, but you know, looking for a loan type or program to accomplish investment goals or retirement goals, there are opportunities today because these rates are low and you don't want to miss them. That's all I really know about it. It's exciting. It's fun to talk about whether rates are going up and whether rates are going down and all that kind of fun stuff. But I'll tell you one thing for sure right now is they're stinking low. And they're lower than now, now than they've been in a year and a half. And it's, you know, they're roughly, what, they're down from f mid fours to below four. So that creates another 10% affordability for a home buyer. Right. So someone who is looking for a $500,000 home can buy a $550,000 home now. Yep. For the same payment. Yep. It's, it's good pretty deal. exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um. There was a last week we were talking a little bit about taxes and about um, Prop 13, right? That way that every, a lot of people got reassessed when their values fell down really low. And then, um, you know, we talked about buying and moving your tax base and everything. And then I got an email um, from a listener of the show who pointed out that um, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But... Let's just say you have a house worth 700000 in your neighborhood and your $700,000 house is suddenly worth three fifty. So you get this temporary tax break, right? Valuing your home at three fifty, But you don't get that 1% protection back from three fifty. It can go as fast as it ever could back to your original assessment of seven hundred, right? More people should have sold their house for three fifty and bought the one next door for three fifty <laughs> to get their permanent long term tax rate capped on their three fifty value, and there probably could have been a business idea <laughs> at the low. That's <laughs> Every, everyone find your neighbor and trade homes. Trade homes. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. There probably we probably missed the boat on a pretty sweet business opportunity in. And so during the next good recession where properties have a, a nice drop in the value of their real estate, we're going to start a house trading business. All right, buddy. I'll see you in 80 years and we'll just <laughs> let's let's agree to it now. We'll trade homes. Are homes all the way back to what they were worth pre-recession now? Um, I would guess not. I know I bought my house in 2003 and it has now... As of the most recent reassessment, it's now back to where it should be, the, the you know base plus cost of living. Well, that's good. So then, yeah, that's pre-recession, right? Yeah, but if you were like buying in two thousand seven pre-recession or two thousand six, I don't know if it's back to that yet. Okay. All right, it's uh, 9.40 now, so we got uh, another commercial break to take. Take time out to thank the sponsors that helped make the show possible. Folks, if it wasn't for these guys, you'd have to pay for this program. So um, listen, they're good companies, and we endorse them. Hope that you'll consider them next time you're out looking for that service. Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, welcome back. Dan. Yeah, Dan remembers this one. <laughs> I, I, missed the, I missed the first couple minutes of the show, so I have a feeling I missed something. Oh, yeah. We have a loan officer in the office today. It's Jason Van Dyke. He's an exceptional loan officer. Um, he's there today because he knew that we were going to be talking about the drop in rates this week, that we were going to be trying to get people excited about getting out of their mortgage insurance because their property is appreciating um, and maybe a combination of both. How about how about ditch your MI and get a lower rate? We're hoping some people call to see if they can take advantage of that. Dan made the joke that Jason is foregoing his Saturday morning cartoons. So, so then Jim put on cartoons speed that racer were, and yeah, dan didn't racer. get it yeah. well so, i mean speed <laughs> racer you had to, i mean what was it playing in the 50s uh 60s and 70s I think. okay yeah sorry but well, then I heard, I heard jason mention felix cat that was that was pretty old too yeah 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 but so we got looney tunes and everybody's happy now yeah that's <laughs> everyone knows looney tunes and and Dan identifies also with the DuckTales era, and I yeah. don't know that you have any idea what DuckTales is. I don't. 
Oh, yeah. So Scrooge like McDuck. Scrooge McDuck has his nephews out, um, you know, and yeah, and he likes to go swimming in his, really his about vault the kids. of it was gold to coins. Appeal to the younger generation. Yeah, yeah backstroking in the gold. Yeah, coin. which anyway. is not easy to do. It's all right. Tried it. It's all right, Wes. Maybe sometime you can tell us about like outdoor plumbing and stuff. <laughs> um, hey, Wes Burke is here. <laughs> Woo! That yeah. Is Wes. Woo! Good morning, guys. Good morning. <laughs> well, you guys went in deep today. You just jumped right into economics and uh you're talking about the fun stuff already you can tell whenever we start chewing pretty fast that we don't have enough to talk about and we're we're scared to see you know where the conversation's gonna go um <laughs> and now i don't even have a computer so i'm done with anything relevant to say um i wanted to tell you guys about this though uh and everybody can be somewhat entertained by this um i have a loan right now it's a purchase loan and um the termite guy uh, puts in the termite report that right inside the entry door uh, where the ceiling and walls meet, there appears to be a paint bubble. And he doesn't... Caused know, by termites? Oh, he doesn't really know what to make of it, but he just says, you know, this dude's paid to look around. He's an inspector, right? He's looking for anything that could be a sign of damage, mold, fungus, dry rot, infestation, whatever. So he says, hey, there's a bubble in the paint. Um, the buyer and seller should satisfy themselves as to um, the condition of the roof. Cool. Fair enough. So uh, underwriter gets the termite report. Underwriter reviews the termite report. Here's how the condition reads. Um, please provide lead paint inspection and certification evidencing all removal of lead paint um, in the house as it was built before 1963. And I'm like, whoa. Um, there aren't a whole lot of like lead paint certified dudes running around here. And while I'll concede this place, you know, built in 63, there's some really long shot chance. There could be some lead paint somewhere, most likely on the exterior of the house. If anything, um, it's pretty wild. So, but a lot of homes built prior to what was it? 1970 have, the old paint, but it's been covered up by new paint. And that's usually a sufficient remedy. It's, it's for... actually, for the most part, um, it's actually going to be homes really before 1960. Um, and, and the reason they let the law stretch on a little bit further than 1960 is that it allowed for some time for the paint that was on the shelves of stores and every mom pa shop across the country to potentially make it there uh, and get used at some point in the early 60s. But by and large, it's exterior only. And one of the things about lead paint, so f there's a lot of old houses in this town, obviously. There's no doubt there's homes that have lead paint. Painters can get a certification called like the RRP. I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but it allows them to encapsulate paint that potentially has lead in it to kind of basically recover it and seal it off again with new paint. Um, and it's not that big of a deal. But so anyway, I spent now the better part of a week and a half trying to convince an underwriter that that requirement for a full blown lead paint um, inspection and um, certification of all this bizarre work was way overkill. And 
Um, the realtors and seller basically were like, you guys are crazy. And I, I felt really caught in the middle that my underwriter wanted such an outrageous thing. Um, but anyway, it all's well that ends well, I suppose. We got them satisfied that it was just a bubble. There wasn't even like a compromised um not you know, a tear in the bubble. No, it was just a bubble. That's and it good. might not be a bubble. Perhaps they paint it over um, like, you know, some weird shape in the drywall. Maybe there was something. a spitwad stuck to the wall and they just painted over it. But just You never know, right? Kind of gives you an idea, though, of, of what when something like that pops up where, like, somebody goes, hey, look at this find. I've, like... I've unearthed a paint bubble in a house built in 63. You know, they must be so proud of themselves like they're going to win Underwriter of the Year. And then uh, it got the, – the condition got deleted anyway. So I heard there's some changes, Wes, to the purchase contract either – I don't know when it gets implemented. Must, but because the termite report always causes problems? Yeah, that's actually a, a part of the revision. It, the contract is going to go into play November twenty fourth, and it's a it's a rewrite. It moves a lot of stuff around. There's uh, not a, a whole. There's not a tremendously uh, large amount of new material, but it's better organized. And the the one big thing is that it removes termite from from the contract. So kind of you know his, historically in our area, people would pre negotiate. Um, um, the termite and ask for the sellers to pay for section one and usually the buyers paid for section two and that was pre-negotiated in the purchase agreement and it has caused a myriad of problems um, especially as as lending has gotten tighter and it's just like what you're referring to you know a, a termite inspection will um, reveal something the lender will require seeing it because it's a part of the contract and then usually the lender wants all the termite work done prior to the close of escrow and it's just uh, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, and it's led to to the practice of in the contract saying we're we're not going to do the termite report, but in reality it's done just so the buyer has the information. Yeah, what I've advocated for a long time, and what this new contract does is take the termite into the category of all the other due diligence inspections and disclosures. So the way a transaction I have always felt should work is that you should negotiate price and terms based on the assumption that the house is in good condition. And then you have a period of time to conduct your investigations and inspections. Go get all of those inspections done and look at them as a whole picture. And then if there are things that are unearthed by these inspections, then there's a negotiation that occurs between a buyer and seller over remedy for those things. And in doing it this way, we should take it kind of out of the attention of the lender since it's not being pre-negotiated in the contract. I've, I've always understood um, that the reason the lenders are so interested in the termite is because we put it right in the contract and therefore they want to be sure that the terms of the contract are being followed and enforced. So the, the theory is by taking it out of the contract now, we'll make it a part of all the other inspections and underwriting typically does not ask for things like your, you know, your full home inspection. So we're hoping that it helps in the world of lending. I think we have uh, a painting contractor who wants to weigh in on your hey, bubble cool. situation. Hey, cool. I want to hear Steve. <laughs> Steve, good morning. Hey. Thanks for calling. Hey, good morning. Um, yeah, I think you're really off base on what you're saying about uh, lead paint. 
Okay. If you really, if you really want to know what the rules and, and uh, protocols are, go to uh, EPA.gov and then type in lead. And I would suggest you look at the Federal Register notice on the subject. Okay. Um, what it is here in San Luis Obispo, uh, any house older than 1978 is presumed to have lead somewhere in it. Okay. And that, as far as I know, is about 65% of the homes in this town. So and it's a really difficult thing to deal with. Um, you mentioned encapsulation. Uh-huh. There, is, there is no such term in the regulations. Encapsulating, that, that doesn't matter. The, the whole issue is about making dust. And if you sand or you grind on a house, uh, you got a big problem. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I, so when you see bubbles, is that something as a painting contractor that scares you when it's a home that's built in 1963? Do you do you automatically think there's a, a health issue? Well, it, like I said, it's, it's automatic. Um, anything 78 and older is presumed to have lead. And legally, I can't even test for lead. And if I do, I violate my insurance. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's created a, I used to work in a lot of the Victorian houses around town here, and um, it's almost impossible to bid on them anymore. I mean, I see guys working on them, and they're kind of doing what they're supposed to do, but not really, because, um, for example, you're supposed to have plastic surrounding a, a residence uh, 10 feet back for every story of the house. Well, in many circumstances, you'd be out in the street with your plastic. Um, it's just not doable. And so these regulations, I think, were created by pinheads and, and cubicles in Washington, D.C., that have never built a house or worked on a house. They just dream this stuff up. But it's but it's real. Yeah, I, and I think, I mean, the gist of the thing for me is that the in underwriting, the underwriter doesn't know enough about it. They just know that if there's a house of that era and somebody says something about paint, that, you know, kind of it's on. They need to have something to look a little bit farther into. But I'm curious, Steve, from your perspective, it sounds like lead paint exists in the majority of the homes in slow and that the uh, the requirements by which you're supposed to work on them are impossible to follow. Is it is it something where I mean I I got to imagine every home project then every DIYer in San Luis is just sanding off lead paint or um, you know and causing significant problems when they go in to refinish whatever on the inside or outside of their old house and do it themselves. They're certainly not hanging up the plastic and doing all that stuff. Is it as big of a deal as it's been made? Well, I, I think what you're saying here is, uh, and this is an interesting part of the law, is that the homeowner, if he's doing his own work, is exempt from all these regulations. Hmm. They can make all the dust and debris they want to, but um, a guy like me, you know, i got to pay my attorney before I start a job, you know, just so I don't go to prison for working on somebody's house. It's It's really that stringent. Again, if you look at epa.gov and go to their lead um, section, it'll tell you all about it. And this is in a federal statute. It's not state law. This is nationwide. So yeah, it's, it's a real threat. And I do talk to people 
who get checked, that have been checked um, on site and uh, or at their home. They've had to knock on the door at, at dinner time. You know? So uh, it, it's a lot more stringent than what you were saying earlier in your program. And so, you know, I'd suggest maybe a follow-up at some point, you know, do a little homework on it. Um, Wes Burke's a friend of mine. I've worked for him, too, on his newer projects. But... Uh, yeah, Steve, you painted you painted my house, buddy. <laughs> I did, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you did. Yeah, but it was a but it was new. It wasn't an old existing home. No, and that's true. That was that was actually before these regulations went into effect. Yeah. So from a from a real estate transaction perspective, uh, Steve, what you're saying actually lines up perfectly. We have lead based paint disclosures that are required on anything that's built pre seventy eight. And um, in addition to the disclosure, we are required by law to give the home buyer and seller a whole book on lead-based paint that you know describes its um, how how it's dangerous and what to do in terms of remediation and and all of that. Does so it say that if it needs work, do it yourself, or else it's a problem? It doesn't say it doesn't say it quite like that. But yeah, Steve, I, I know you've done a lot of um, the old Victorians and stuff downtown. That one on Broad Street that I watched you do over the course of a pretty extended period of time. It was an amazing job you did. But did did that one require all these precautions and, and remediation before you painted it? No, because this came afterwards. But, you know, a house like that needs to be redone, let's say, every decade. And um, the next time around is going to be really tough on people, especially if the laws are enforced. And you mentioned remediation. There's only, I only know of one guy in the county that's really licensed to do that. I'm not. Um, so to find somebody, if, say if your underwriter or lender said, yeah, you got to do this, Finding a guy might be almost impossible, or scheduling might be impossible. Yeah, that was that was ultimately what we figured out, and we were really worried about was that, especially given the timing of it. It seems that there's one guy that was uh, certified so much to to give the actual lead paint inspection, and um, you know, I I don't mean to represent that I know all about how that's to be handled. I talked with a, a friend of mine that's a painting contractor yesterday, and he was explaining to me that under the certification that he's got, he's able to do um, as long as he's not, you know, sanding it off or taking it off or something, he's allowed to paint over it in a, you know, with whatever it is that process he's supposed to do. Um, so and if it's wrong, then then it's wrong. Yeah, well, I, I've done some experiments. I did a house two years ago where I didn't sand at all. I I used, um, you know, uh, simple green, and I used some other products to, to thoroughly wash the siding to get it really clean. And then I used uh, bonding additives to make sure the paint stayed on, and it, it actually worked out quite well. Hey, Steve, I hate Tom to cut you off, but we're getting uh, chased out by the mandatory break here, so... Thanks much for calling. I really do appreciate you. Uh, we're going to be out for a couple minutes, guys. When we get back, we'll have another hour of Mortgage Matters. I do hope that you stick around. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
All right, guys, welcome back. We're joined by Wes Burke from Patterson Realty, taking his time out on this Saturday to come in and uh, bring us up to speed. So we got all on the whole paint thing. Um, I feel bad that Steve got chased out there, but there's those. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah those, we have no control over that. They're programmed. Break. And it just it's it it'll just sneak, the sucker yeah. will sneak up on you. But Steve, thanks for the call. That was that was a good clarification on the on the uh, lead based paint issue. I I was having a block. I couldn't remember the date, but you're right. It's 1978 is kind of the trigger date for that stuff. And so that we got into that whole conversation because we were talking about the different inspections that were required or have been required in the old reporter at least you had to identify whether you're going to do it or not and now this the new purchase contract so the new purchase contract just kind of enforces um a new approach to to the termite inspection and now what's going to happen i i think largely is uh, i think homeowners before they sell their homes would do really well to have the inspection so they know what they're dealing with I don't think the buyers are going to get out of the habit of asking the sellers to provide Section 1 clearance the majority of the time, but now it won't be a part of the contract. Hopefully, it won't um, it won't create challenges in the loan process like we've been living with for the last few years, and it'll just make a lot more sense um, to me when you when you renegotiate based on inspection and findings. Um, it makes more sense to do do it all as one big picture rather than piecemeal it out. And I certainly never thought it made sense to pre-negotiate termite. I mean, if, if I were representing a seller and we hadn't uh, conducted a termite report yet, a buyer gives us an offer with, with Section 1 clearance at the cost of the seller, then I would always counter that offer and put some kind of limitation on the seller's exposure because you don't ever know for sure that the termite company is not going to come in there and find something really egregious. $40,000 worth of damage. And if you've pre-negotiated it in the contract, then the seller's obligated to fix that, and there's no opportunity to um, to, to approach it from different angles. Like, for example, maybe in, in a case where the, they find um, 40000 worth of termite work, the buyer intends to do a remodel. And a lot of the those fixes would be taken care of by the remodel, so it makes more sense for the seller to credit the buyer some amount of money and not conduct the Section 1 work until after the close of escrow. But if we've pre-negotiated it in, in the escrow, then the lender's going to require it, and it has to be done prior to the close. So I think this is a big improvement in the in the purchase agreement. I've been trying to I've been coaching my agents to to do it this way for a long time, and and most of them have. So this is a for us a, a welcome change in the in the purchase agreement. I understand there's another big change with the purchase agreement related to the financing. Um, you know, because in in a, a part of the purchase agreement is identifying what type of loan you're going to obtain or whether you're going to use financing at all. Sometimes you just call out that you're going to use cash. And I understand that there have been um, practices of, of people to submit an all-cash offer when in reality, to, to look make their offer look more favorable when in reality they're going to get financing. And then when they get denied for financing, they, they pull out of the contract. Well, this will... The change is now that if you say you're going to use cash, but then decide you're going to use financing, that won't get you out of the contract if you don't get approved for your financing. Or likewise, if you say you're going to get conventional and you you try FHA and get you don't get approved for FHA, that doesn't get you out of the contract because you said you were going to get conventional. Yeah, and that's true, and that that was actually true before the before the purchase agreement revision. But they do have some new um, triggers and language in the in the new purchase agreement to try to 
um, help clarify that issue and button it up a little bit because that's been a, a practice in some of the areas where they're seeing um, a lot more uh, imbalance in the supply and demand and, and just about every home's getting 15 or 20 offers. Um, you, you're seeing people basically lie about their financing to, to make their offer look better. So yeah, there's some language in, in there as well um, to, to help address that. And um, there's, there's some stuff in there about how the appraisal relates to the contingency as well. For example, in the new purchase agreement, if you rem remove the loan contingency but the um, appraisal doesn't come in, then you're not able to cancel based on the loan contingency just because it didn't appraise anymore. So there's several things like that. I mean, I, again, I think uh, it's, it's, it's a good opportunity to encourage people to use a professional because these contracts are extraordinarily complicated and you really need somebody with experience to help you navigate um, all the ins and outs of these things. But the, the, the Association of Realtors had their annual expo last week and this was a hot topic there. They had multiple classes um, teaching agents how to work with the new purchase agreement, but there's uh, a lot of good stuff that happens at those expos. And one of the most interesting things to me is always the uh, economic update conducted by Leslie Appleton Young. She's uh, the chief economist for the Association of Realtors, and I always uh, really appreciate hearing what she has to say. I have a ton of respect for her, and I think she's a, really one of the finest economists in the country, frankly. And there were some really interesting um, components in her report that I'd like to talk about. Can we shift gears onto that? Let's do it. All right. So um, one thing that was that was interesting was comparing what was forecasted at the end of last year for 2014 compared to what's actually going to shake out. So the first thing that, that I think is worth talking about is that they predicted that activity would increase in 2014 by about 3.2%. So they were guessing that we'd move from about 414,000 um, transactions across the state to 444,000, but it looks like we're going to end 2014 down about 8.2% in the number of transactions. That's really significant, and I think it, it really tells a story, and, and a big part of that story, you guys were dancing around a little bit earlier in the radio, and that's affordability. And affordability, you're arguing that affordability is, is really good uh, because interest rates are low, and certainly low interest rates add to purchase power. I mean, we, we know that. But across the state, affordability is in a near crisis um, situation. And right now, the affordability index for the state of California is 28.2%. Um, uh, we think it may end as, as uh, a little better than that at about 30%. But what that says is that less than one-third of the working folks out there can afford the medium price home in the state. And that is, I think, the story behind the decrease in transactions. Fewer and fewer people are, are able to buy a home, and that is going to put downward pressure on this market. When you have decrease in activity, theoretically, you're going to see that impact median home values at some point. But the flip side to this coin is that Leslie predicted in that 2014, we'd see about 6% appreciation across the state. And in fact, we're going to end up at about 11.8% appreciation. Um, going back to that idea of 
the reduction in transactions. I'm surprised that more of us didn't see this coming um, for, I think, what are pretty obvious reasons. Uh, number one, it's not a very good environment to sell your house right now if you want to buy another house in the same city. Um, there are not a lot of options. Like you said, there's 8, 10, 15 offers for the same house. So much so that people are misrepresenting what type of financing they're getting to look more attractive. And so you got to know that if you offer your home up for sale to go and, and buy your, you know, the slightly better house in the better school di district across town, you're going to be paying top dollar, man. You got to go pay premiums. You got to beat out eight or 15 other people. Um, so I don't. Maybe I don't sell my house now. Maybe I just stay put because that's a dogfight I don't want to be in. But you're going to experience the benefit of those market conditions on the sale of your home. Yeah, but on the sale of my home, here's the difference. My stuff's already in a house today. I got a place to go home to tonight um, that is where all my things are. If I go sell my house first, believing that it's a good environment for me to go compete, um, I, I, I just... And I, I'm telling you just straight up as somebody that, that's contemplating this, that's not an inviting market for me. I'm glad I'm going to get top dollar for my house, but then I got to go be uh, one in 15 for the house that I want. That's not inviting circumstances. And then I'll tell you about some other folks that aren't doing business right now. Um, there's a lot of folks aren't doing business right now because they got a 3% 30-year fixed. Yesteryear, they would have sold. Yesteryear, they would have envied thy neighbor's house and wanted to get across town in the better school district. Today, they're going, you can't get this loan again, baby. We're here. This is it. Throw another coat of paint on it because this is where we're going to be. So those people ain't selling. So I think all in all, um, it I feel like it uh, is less about the affordability and yada, yada, yada. It's just there's not enough inventory for the for the simple reasons that there isn't enough inventory, so people aren't participating in it because of a lack of comfort. A lot yeah. of people have interest rates that have sidelined them because their rate is so good they don't want to they don't want to give it up. And then lastly, we haven't been building homes for a long time, so now we just have uh, we didn't slow down on making people or letting them move into the county or into the state or into the country. And so what we got is more people and we didn't build homes so that creates more pent-up demand i'll agree that supply is an issue when it comes to housing but there's there's also an issue of of wealth and there is a real interesting article in this morning's newspaper this morning's tribune um, and it was recapping some statements made by federal reserve chair janet yellen about the wealth gap and i i just want to throw out a couple of numbers that i think contribute probably even more to this problem of affordability than, than supply. Um, what we have between 1989 and, and 2013, so what, a 24-year period here, the average income of the top 5% of households rose 38%, while the remaining 95% of households grew less than 10%. So that's not bad. At least it's growing everywhere, right? But then you look at the bottom 50% of families, a group of 62 million households, their net worth, their average net worth is $11,000. And when you adjust for inflation, that figure is 50% lower than the average net worth for that lower 50% in 1989. So their net worth is going down over the last 24 years by half. 
Um, when you look at the top 5%, by contrast, their net worth has gone from $3.6 million in 89 to $6.8 million in 2013, an 89% increase. So you're seeing a real issue of, of wealth inequality that I think is probably the primary factor in this affordability and the lack of income growth in that lower... Um, 95% or, or 50%. I hear what you're saying, but you talk, talk me in here on how the chief economist for the state said, we expect 6% and it's coming out 12. That's not a problem of people having cash and desire to step up and buy. That's a scarcity issue. When when you're it's, you're almost dealing in commodities now because these people cannot get to a supply of enough homes. So I'll, I agree with you 100%. I think the issues are mutually exclusive. Um, those people that are pinched and their net worth for their household and everything is less than it's ever been before and the inequality is growing and all that, I hear you. If that was the bigger problem, we would have vacant houses everywhere because the people that are supposed to be buying them can't afford to buy them. But instead, what we have is lines out the door to buy any house that hits the market in a reasonably priced zone. No? Yeah, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, Jason. It's definitely a factor. I mean, Am it, I wrong? No, no, no. It's a factor. But I, I think it's a broader-based problem than than you're alluding to. It's not just a supply issue. Homeownership rates for the age group 18 to 34 is falling. It's been falling for a number of years, and it continues to fall. Um, household formation is at an almost all-time low. Those people are getting married later. They're doing more school than ever before. They spend more time with their face down in their phone. This generation, we was talked about this week with this new, the millennials, that same group, they're not buying cars either. And we started to wonder if maybe they're just disinterested in cars because they live in their mom's basement and don't need one, or if it's because they just enjoy public transportation or being in places where they could hang out. Uh, it's really hard to say, but... What do you make of that? Maybe they care about the environment and want to ride a bike instead of a car, and they can't compete for the homes that that are being sold because they don't make enough money. And, and they don't have a down payment. And they don't have the, the wealth to put anything down. Yeah. So I think those are the issues. The and But the supply definitely plays into that. The supply leads to there's only a limited amount of those housing resources available and those in the top five percent have the means to acquire it and outbid even if it's above and beyond what what you know the home is worth i mean that's why we're seeing the appreciation exceed projections which wouldn't happen if you had extended marketing times because buyers had so many choices because there was just houses everywhere to pick from then it would come into equilibrium with what the average guy could afford. But right now it's so scarce that we have such a, a short supply of homes that the folks that come up can afford it and they fight each other to buy it. And I know it's not representative of the masses, but it's enough to buy up the real estate that's for sale. It's a frustrating problem. It feels like the catch-22 because you've got one of the best ways to build wealth is by acquiring real estate and building that wealth, building sweat equity, paying down a loan, you know, the normal appreciation cycles. Um, but the only people who can afford to get in on real estate are the wealthy. 
that already have money. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. So how do we get out of this, Wes? I don't know. It's a tough thing. And I'm afraid that this affordability issue is going to, is, is going to really be a drag on the market over the next couple of years. Um, there's in terms of, well, price appreciation. There's, um, I I think we're going to have a problem with, um, entry level housing, really slowing down so hopefully we'll see an increase in in inventory in that arena and we'll see what happens but the investors have largely left the market and i think that they really came in and propped up the bottom end because those are the properties that make senses uh, make sense as rentals for example but as they leave the market and as these millennials that we're talking about um, don't enter the market the first time or this entry-level housing i think stands a chance to see um kind of a swing and so what that what that the question that that begs is if the entry-level housing market does indeed soften is it going to have an impact on each steps above entry level in in the marketplace in terms are of we the, talking bakersfield or san luis obispo well, we're technically talking we're talking about the state. I know, and my point is that I'm having trouble picturing what you're saying working here. Um, yeah, I, and I, I get that. I I go through that too. But in, you know, in 2004 or or five, I thought San Luis is so unique, and and so many people want to be here that no matter what happens in the housing industry around the nation, we're always going to have a stable market because there's just way, way, way more demand than there is supply. But that didn't save us from the recession. So I do think we're we're unique, but I, I don't think we're so unique that we're insulated from these bigger picture issues. Hmm. And the, the affordability issues aren't limited to just areas like San Luis Obispo. They're every... Every major metro area is, has this, these affordability problems. This stat that I gave, 30% affordability rate, is statewide. Yeah. I mean, that includes Baker, Bakersfield and Stockton. Um, I'm not even sure what the affordability rate in San Luis Obispo is right I'd now. I guess it's lower. Oh, I'm sure it's much lower. So I have a question for you. When you're at these state conventions, do they... It seems like a, a solution because a lot of these numbers are about, you know, the younger first time home buyers not being able to get into the market or the lower income categories not being able to get in, into the market. That's what I hear when I hear affordability being so low. Do Is it ever discussed about changing the loan terms, you know, 30, 40, going from a maximum term of 30 years to 40 and 50 years to create opportunity for these folks who are underserved in, in home ownership? You know, I've I've heard it discussed in the halls um, a little, but it's never really been on the radar as you know as as for example, CAR has a, a really strong political force, and they can get behind sometimes even sponsor legislation, and and they have a tremendous success rate. I mean, they politically they're a very powerful organization, but um, I've never heard it discussed from a legislative standpoint. Like hey. may, maybe we as an organized real real estate should get behind. You know, investigating new and creative approaches to to bridge this affordability gap, but I think that it's probably it's likely to be discussed in the coming year or two, Dan, because the the reality is this affordability thing has got I'm, has I'm, gotten them very I'm really concerned. confused with this conversation right now. And uh, talking I, about ways just... to make homes affordable to this to the seventy percent of people that they're unaffordable for, and by doing that is making a payment lower. You're not going to change the value of real estate. 
you know, the, the real estate has a value, and if it drops below what the market value is, there's going to be someone who wants to buy it right away. Well, so the value of real estate is <laughs> what we can change is what someone can afford to to you yeah, know but, buy. So here's here's where I'm hung up. Um, Wes, real quick flyby for um, days on market average for our county and then statewide. And even nationally, if you think you can pop it off within some 10%. 10%. Um, I wish I had the numbers in front of me because I, I hate to stab at this stuff. But I'm, I'm going to say that probably in San Luis Obispo, the average is right – in our county, the average is around 30 days. Um, statewide, um, I think it's between 60 and 90. Okay. And then the, this rate that's always talked about is, um, you know, what, what do you guys call it? The absorption rate? Right. Months of supply. How's months of supply in San Luis County right now? Um, we're at about, I, I think we're at about three months supply. Okay. And then um, statewide? Um, I think that it's probably about four and a half. And the number deemed healthy for an economy? Between four and six. So we have less supply now, locally and statewide, than what is deemed normal. Correct. And we have double the projected uh, rate of home appreciation. And we're trying now to make real estate more affordable for the masses. I don't understand how you guys could say that this is anything but... If you need to create affordable housing when we're in a crunch where we already have too little a supply, that the appreciation rate is double what we want it to be because of the scarcity, there's only one solution to that, and it's not making homes cheaper. You got to build more homes, man. It's a, it, this issue can't be tied back to anything but supply. So Jason's on a supply kick today, Dan. Can can we just agree with him so we can, sure. so we can move on? I mean, I, I see that supply is an issue, but it's a part of the issue. I because I'm over here thinking, how can you solve this issue for real? Uh, practical things. Back on the East Coast, one of the ways they created affordable housing through the years was by doing co-ops. You build like an apartment style building. It's six, eight, ten floors. There's 15 units per floor. Everybody buys some stock ownership in the overall building, gets their unit. It functions like a big company where everybody cooperatively have bought the lowest price per unit apartment style living arrangement there is. And most of the time when you're growing up in New York, the first home that you buy is going to be in a co-op. And then you'll later sell your interest in the co-op as you finally have arrived in a position to be able to go out and buy the normal single family home. We're not doing anything like that here. We're not building anything like that. You know, a lot of these building permits and numbers that have been going on is has been for multifamily stuff, but it's not around here. So as long as we don't have that, we have too many people trying to buy too few houses, they're going to the seller names the terms and it gets more expensive. So you could tell the millennial that we're giving you um, 50 cents on the dollar tax credit for every dollar of mortgage you pay this year. And those guys, whether or not they could afford it, are in a line to buy a house against people that are paying cash. It's all over the place. Well, there's there's also the issue 
that I think is attempting to be addressed to help with that affordability, and that's changing the density requirements. You know, that that's that workforce that's housing type say. of push. There's, you know, there's these antiquated rules about density and I'm and they down need to be on updated that. that's because something I'm getting down on that's another that's another the problem with creating affordability is to construct right the taxes cost of land. on the building materials land they ain't making any more of it right all of these things are getting ever so more expensive every single month and it's to the point now where you're a builder you can't even go out and build that entry level home like when you say we're now a drop off in the entry level home I'm saying I doubt it because go build one today. Put yourself up a 1,200 square foot little rental grade house. That thing's going to be based on wages and materials and fees and all the taxes and all the horse crap that goes into it. It's going to turn out to be as expensive as the new homes today. So who's going to build them? We're going to have to put in like villages of those sea trains that people weld together for 4000 bucks a piece. Um, that'll be the affordable housing. I wonder what Marilyn in San Luis Obispo thinks about it all. Waiting so patiently. Welcome to the show, Marilyn. Hi. How are you? We're doing oh, great. Yes. Good. Um, you know, we keep he hearing everything negative on the news all the time. And I just wanted to ask, do you have something positive to say? <laughs> and Interest rates are incredibly low. <laughs> Your house is worth more money this month than last. Yeah. Well, you know what? Our house and... The, our house was twenty eight thousand, and the lot was thirty five hundred, and it's the biggest on my block. So that was good news. <laughs> but <clears throat> anyway, you're talking about building more houses, and you say that's what we need. The low, I know that. I know what these students pay per room around my area, but we need water. Yeah. And that drought. And if you build more houses, how is, I think it's dependent upon our having water. I guess we'll, we'll have to build water-free houses. <laughs> so. Yeah, anyway. point well taken. It And you know what? So there's another thing. Here's another reason why, you're, Wes, the claims are false about uh, there being a problem ahead. Um our hands are tied by building because of the drought. I mean, we're as long as we can't add inventory to this thing, uh, there isn't vacancies. There's not a lot of opportunity to move around or upward within the own housing market. Sadly, houses don't consume water. People do. So we've choked. We've choked. <laughs> are you solving the problem of water consumption by not building homes? There's the people are still multiplying. Well, I, I know all this, but <laughs> I, I just know that that's a primary thing for yeah. not having Well, look at, I mean, Los Osos has had the sewer issue forever, and in tandem, they have a water issue. And I've heard it said that um, when the sewer's all said and done, you still aren't going to be able to build out there because of the water issues. So how are we fixing another, that? <clears throat> excuse me. Another thing is... The permits that you have to have and the cost of them, they're more than our house was, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think right. that's the primary issue for contractors. You know? 
Well, you you enlightened me with your land cost to home value um, statement. You said that your home was was twenty eight thousand dollars and your lot was thirty five hundred dollars. Right. Slightly more than ten percent of the overall value was the lot cost. I know. Today, <laughs> uh, a five or six hundred thousand dollar home in say Morro Bay, the lot for that home is two hundred and fifty grand. Or 200 to 250 grand. So we're talking a third oh. to a half of the total value of the home is land cost now. So that's a big component. And that's where the density issue comes up because that is probably, it's arguably or inarguably the, the largest increase in the cost of building is that cost of land, especially in desirable areas like the central coast of California. But now you just tied us back to supply, baby. They ain't making no more land. And the more of it that runs out, the more scarce it becomes and the price goes up. And, and I don't think, I, I think all of the issues we're talking about, density, more, more, more homes, and loan terms that create more affordability all need to come together to solve this problem that we're seeing statewide, not just locally. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take uh, Marilyn's suggestion and bring a little bit of optimism into this conversation. Bef oh, well, thank you. <laughs> but, <laughs> I know these guys are going to kick me out shortly, but um, the, it's worth saying that we are in pretty good times. Um, I've been coming to this radio show for a number of years now. If you're a landowner, you are. And we have always said how much we would enjoy being in a, in a normal real estate market. And I've got to tell you, this feels more like a normal real estate market than anything I've experienced in my 20-year career. Um, inventory has increased a bit. We're not seeing quite the frenzy that we did. Unless something hits the market that's a really smoking deal in a in a in an area where there's just rarely inventory, we're not seeing that many multiple offers. Um, it's not bidding wars. There's, you know, a reasonable amount of inventory. There's a reasonable number of buyers in the marketplace. We're seeing good price appreciation in our area. We're seeing fantastic interest rates with great loan program offerings. Yeah, I mean, really, it's uh, Marilyn's point is well taken with me because the truth is we can talk about the lions over the hill all day long, and we can do that no matter what the market conditions are. The reality is um, we're in a much, much better situation than we, than we were a few years ago, and it feels really good. Okay. Well, do you want to hear another thing that bugs me? Yeah. Sure. Those small businesses are going out downtown because the owners of the property raise the rent so high that the small business can't even afford it. And so that's why we're losing businesses. You know, downtown. and I, I can't do anything about that, but I sure do. you can. I'll tell you one of the things you can do is when you want to go downtown for a burger, stop off at one of the locally owned burger joints instead of one of the chain owned burger joints. Well, I the, made that a point for years. Yeah, and, and you know, we got we got no these big box stores for me either. The big corporations and stuff have come in and they're an option for us to shop there or not. And if we want them, we should shop there and if we don't, we should not. Well, that's a definite definite yes, I agree with that. I only do small businesses but they're very limited they are it is it gets harder it gets it just gets harder every day honestly and well, i can still go to boo-boos so yeah <laughs> san Luis is turning into just a little um place to dine right 
and and buy some fancy jeans. Um, have lunch <laughs> and buy some fancy jeans. It used to be where we all officed, and yeah. um, the chiropractors and there was doctors around and everything. And it, everybody's getting chased out now. What it is, yeah, you can go there for some sort of meal. Um, you'll never need to. Here's the good news about town, Marilyn. You're never going to want for frozen yogurt ever again. There's one on every corner. Um, Well, I think the downtown area is primarily uh, restaurants and bars. Yeah, and frozen yogurt. And and cute jeans. (laughs) There used to be like three nice men's stores downtown. Mm -hmm. We only have Patrick James that I know of. Yeah. And... um, it just is kind of sad that what we thought <clears throat> was our San Luis is really not anymore. Yeah, it it's, seems like it's just gearing up to appeal for tourism, you yeah. know, get more people in here to come enjoy staying at one of the hotels in town and then having a fun dining and drinking experience. That's what we're offering. Yeah. Marilyn, thanks much for your call today. Always, As always, we appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank Have a you great for one. listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, no, you're, you're being punished. You'll be here for the next 20 minutes. No, I I can't actually have an appointment at the (laughs) office. Any parting words, Wes? Oh, thanks for letting me be here today. It was a fun, fun conversation. (laughs) Sure was. Yeah. Fun debate with, uh, with Jay today. Hey, Wes, if someone wants some of your real estate expertise to navigate this new purchase contract and just find great deals out there, how can they get a hold of you or your agents? Uh, they can call the office at 544-8662. Uh, they can call me direct, 801-7061. Check us out at pattersonrealty.com. All right. Thanks a lot for being here on a Saturday. Yeah, thanks, you guys. Have, Have fun. Appreciate you. All right. <laughs> guys, we got to do a commercial break here. Um, it's just going to be a quick one, so be fast. When we get back... We have 20 more minutes of Mortgage Matters to uh, come up with something new to talk about. Um, Dan will lead that segment. (laughs) Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Inflatable pool, full of dad's hot air. Well, I was three years old. Splashing everywhere And so began My love affair With water Hey everybody, welcome back Hey, you know Marilyn made a really good point here today Which is, everybody's talking about a lot of negativity Let's talk about, you know, something a little bit more positive uh, Dan been talking about affordability and it's tough. It, yeah, it's tough, man. The barrier to entry to buy housing in California is it's high. There's no two ways around it. And if you're, if it's just you, you know, I, I read a statistic a couple weeks ago that um, like 26% of the um, home purchase transactions this last year involved gift funds. I have a relative that wants to help you out, man. And not everybody has that. That's hard. Um, in fact, three quarters of people by that same metric <laughs> don't get gift funds. So if you're not in a position in where somebody in the family can give you money and you got to save some money, it's tough to save money. We know that the stat you shared, what our open market committee is talking about, is that it's expensive. They know it is expensive because the net worth of that bottom 50% of the um, – the net worth of those households is declining. Um, and it was only 11,000 to begin with. I mean, that's not enough money, especially if that net worth is including the savings you're on track to be able to buy your house. That It feels like running on a hamster wheel there. But as, as we talk about all that, I want to remind everybody that we're in the business of helping people buy homes. That's what we do. Um, so as I look at my list here, I have like 20 people that are pre-qualified to buy houses today, that are out looking to buy houses today. And as going by memory, I'm looking at a list of names here, and I, I'll just run down the list. I have a pretty good memory, but I'll tell you. Um, first guy is a small business owner. It's not a huge business, but it's enough. He's qualified to buy a home. Uh, next person is a stay-at-home dad with a mom that works at MindBody great company to work for. They can afford to buy a house on a single income in San Luis Obispo. Um, the next one's another um, one income household. Guy works out at PG&E. Makes a great living out there. Um, I've got, going down the list, I got a guard from CMC. 
I've got a landscape guy that works um, for a local landscape company in count, uh, Katie Janney. I've got um, a guy that owns a business and wife, his wife then teaches at Cal Poly. Um, I've got somebody that's a waiter. This couple literally is a waiter and a mechanic. That's pretty cool. They're able to buy a house. Household income in that house is only $5,000 a month, and they're buying a home right now. Um, could go on and on down this list. These are normal working class people. And they're people just like you and I. One of my favorite loans on this list is a gal that does tech for a local company. It's about a $15 an hour job. And her um, co-borrower is a janitor, which likewise is about 15 bucks an hour. These people do not have high income. And they're buying a house in San Luis Obispo County right now. And they're doing so with no down payment. So you're talking earlier about um, affordability and, and how important that is. And I, I'm not going to knock that. I agree. There's a lot of people that deserve an opportunity to live in the town that they work and help um, make thrive that can't afford it. I, I get that completely. At the same time, I just want to point out to you that I got a laundry list of people here that are the normal uh, representative new home buyer of San Luis Obispo right now. And these people are all out looking and there's a scarcity of homes. So they can't find a house to buy. Uh, but as they come on and I look at this list and it, it, I'm never anxious about it. They always find one. It takes, sometimes it takes two weeks. Sometimes it takes two years, but they always find one. And one thing I always find from these people after they buy, they come back and they say, that was the perfect house, and I'm glad we missed those first three, or it, it took just as long as it was supposed to. Everybody's usually so thrilled with the house that they end up with that they usually are fully accepting of the, the process. So when I counsel these new people that say that it's tough and it's going to be competitive and how are we ever going to win, believe me, you will. You all do. Through time, you know, takes a few months, but you're going to get in a house and you're going to be thrilled with it. Everybody is. So I look down this list and that's what I want to remind people today. Um, you know, if you're a waiter and your husband's a janitor and you think it's impossible for you to buy a house, I'm helping a couple just like you buy one with no down payment today in Slow County. Those are the kind of people that I want to hear this message and say, I'm ready to get pre-qualified. I want to find out what options exist for me. Um, come in, make sure that your credit's good. If not, we can get you on track. If you have a down payment, we'll tell you what it's good for. If you don't, we'll tell you what you need. If you qualify for one of the programs, we'll line you up for it. If, we, if you don't, we can get you on the course to a plan. Through all of this talk today with whether you blame it on affordability or supply or any combination thereof, we still have to arrive back at the simple truth that owning a house is part of the American dream still. And, um, and it's also one of the only ways that we're going to be able to retire with any kind of security. If you have your house paid off, I mean, that is huge. That so greatly diminishes the kind of money that you need to, to see yourself through all of the other parts of retirement, have the house thing banged out. And I'm encouraging people that, you know, if you're 30 and you get a 30 year loan, that's 60. Okay. It's easy math here. Now, if you're 50 and you don't own a home yet, 
Um, maybe you're going to work until you're 80. You're not going to have your mortgage paid off till you're 80. But the good news is there are also shorter loan terms. Maybe you got to buy something a little bit cheaper and get yourself a 20-year loan or a 15-year loan. Um, that's the way that we're thinking about this thing is trying to help people know their options, know the programs, know what's available, and get into it. And then secondly, I just got to say, uh, if you have a house that you are in today, it's worth calling to see if we can get you out of your mortgage insurance or if we can lower your interest rate. Um, there's a program that we rolled out just um, a couple weeks ago, and it's called the Workforce Housing Program. And um, I can't get too technical with you guys about this because I think it's really boring, but I want to give you the flyby. This is a program designed for people that have credit in the 600s that have a down payment of 5% or so. Um, Got to have some, but not too much. Uh, people that are uh, basically that that workforce. These are the folks that are, I think, more or less kind of struggling in the, and owning a home feels really elusive to them. This program gives you a lower interest rate and the mortgage insurance is about half of the um, other programs. So the really cool thing is this program works for home buyers, but also it's a refinance program. So if you got an FHA loan, uh, you know, six months or a year ago from another lender um, or even from us, and you're, you just got that loan because it's what you had to do because of your credit score or whatever, this is a program that could get you out of that loan into another deal with FHA mortgage insurance being as high as it is just slashing that um, the the work the central coast lending workforce housing program the mortgage insurance is literally less than half of the FHA mortgage insurance which on a $200,000 house i mean you're talking 400 bucks or a $400,000 house you're talking 400 bucks a month for mortgage insurance if you do this new program, cuts it down to about 200 bucks a month. How can 200 bucks a month not help you? Everybody needs 200 bucks a month. And if you don't need 200 bucks a month, um, then just go ahead and save it anyway and put it in your retirement fund. You're probably going to need it then. Um, so if you if you guys have mortgage insurance, call us. If you have an interest rate higher than four and a quarter percent, call us. If you don't own real estate and you want to, call us. And if you own 10 houses and want 11, call us. Um, that's what we do. And um, it's a great time to do it, right? Yeah. What number should they call? 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. Yeah. It's in the jingle. <laughs> well, um, do you have the jingle, Jim? Do I have, have the jingle? I can get the jingle for you. Yeah. <laughs> You don't have to. What a lot, you most, know? most of the feedback I get is people want to tear their face off when they hear the jingle now because it's just too invasive. Um, I was going to say, we have we have a, a Jason sitting in the office right now. If, if this message is ringing through loud and clear to you, call Jason at the office, 543-LOAN, 543-5626. Yeah. Get a... There's only one guy there. So if two of you call and then you end up in voicemail right now, don't get mad at us. It's, we only could convince one person to come in and, and hold the office open today. Um, but, you know, the hey, the I still really like it. Do you like it? I like it. Yeah. It's catchy. Just call 
Yeah, I think it has all the ingredients. The <laughs> <laughs> phone number, the name, <laughs> what we is. do. And I mean, un- until we recorded this track, I had no idea Dan was such a good singer. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage expert. There we go. Thanks, Jim. Um, Your phone's beeping, by the way. It's the battery's dying again. I wanted to um, also point out, by the way, in my flyby where I was like, you know, on a roll rapping about helping people buy homes and stuff. um, I mentioned 100% financing in there a couple times. And um, this is something uh, I know we talk about it on the show. There's probably some people that are sick of hearing about it. But on the off chance that somebody's tuned in right now saying, how do you do that? there's a loan program that we're able to offer uh, through USDA um, where you can buy a house up to $417,000 loan amount. The program requires no down payment. It's got some income limitations. Uh, it's designed for low-income people, which in our area, a family of up to four people. And, and let, me, let me retract that statement, not a family. A household of up to four people. So you could be... Um, any combination of up to four people living in a house can make up to like $87,000. I'm rounding that off. 87,600. There you go. Um, for each dependent over four you have, they give you another little allotment. We shared a story last week of a five person household that went up to like 111,000. The the five to eight person household income cap is 114 and change. That's not what I consider low income, but it, this program yeah. calls it low income. Because it's based on the median income for our county. Sure. And and I'll tell you what, if you have eight people in your house and you're living off $100,000 a year, you would probably suggest that's low income. I don't know what that feels like, but I'm imagining it's kind of tough. Um, so anyway, the, those income limitations, we got to make sure that you're under that income threshold. But uh, And then otherwise, there's some geographic uh limitations you got to be in a part of the county where we have i don't know what's the rule of thumb in a five mile sort of epicenter radius of that you could only really have um what's the rule Twenty five thousand people is that right i think they bumped it to thirty five thousand. Thirty five thousand. the easy way i remember it you can't do it in san luis obispo and you can't do it in five cities right Everywhere else works. In or the Santa county. Maria, really. Santa but Maria, but that's Santa Barbara County. The, but some of the outskirts of Santa Maria will work in once you exactly. get away from that dense core. So there's a cool website. Open up a page of Google and just go look at um, USDA property eligibility. Pull up a map and look where look where it works. It works a lot of places. I had the, a gal called me yesterday said she really wanted to buy a house but had no down payment. And I said, well, that's okay. We have some programs where you can have no down payment. She made $7,000 a month, so she was under the requirement, said, yeah, but I don't want to live in Santa Margarita. So where do you want to live? She said, I don't want to be in the coast. I want to be in Los Osos. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. We have a match here. It's (laughs) like uh, we just paired this lovely, hardworking lady with a loan program for uh, buying the house of her dreams now exactly in the city she's not like compromising anything and can buy a house way sooner than she thought she thought she needed to save up you know north of fifty thousand dollars for down payment um stoked to find out that that's not true and by the way uh usda has some mortgage insurance too but it's Uh, pretty minimal yeah some of the cheapest of any loan program really a great deal um 
And it, that's not the only way to buy a home with very little down payment. We also offer down payment assistance programs through California Housing Finance Authority. It's a funny acronym. It's CHADAP. Um, but it's a 3% silent second that can help you with the down payment on a conventional loan or closing costs on a USDA loan or a down payment on an FHA loan. And then, of course, I can't forget um, my veterans. Those guys um, are able to take advantage of a program that um, I, it, I think it's hard to say thanks in enough ways. I'm thrilled that this loan program exists for the vets to be able to take advantage of. And, and I'll just tell you, the sentiment of yesteryear lingers on in that loan. It wasn't always a great loan. You know, the interest rate was higher than a conventional loan, and it was pretty limited on what you could do and what you could buy. And um, I get that it was frustrating at one point. But I want to tell you guys today that the the VA loans, VA are the cheapest interest rates that are published for any loan program. It's a great interest rate. Um, the fees that you can even be charged are heavily regulated, making it one of the more affordable programs in terms of closing costs. It too is 100% financing. That program has no income cap, has no maximum loan amount. You could buy it or refinance a house with a VA loan, which you didn't used to be able to do. Uh, really just a great loan program. Um, and we do a lot of VA loans. I fancy myself a VA expert. So if you are a veteran or know somebody who is and wants to get in and, and look at what it means to buy a house using the, um, the VA benefit, that's something that we love to work with people with. Um, I hope you guys get the gist of it. Uh, we do home loans. That's that. Whatever, whatever kind of house it is, um, Whatever your background, we're looking to couple the program with the property with the buyer and figure out how to get people into um, quality homes that they could afford with cheap, dependable mortgages that are known and predictable. And if you guys want that, um, we want that for you. Check us out on the web. There's a ton of info on there. It's centralcoastlending.com. Um, you'll find a lot of great resources about calculators and tips to getting ready to get pre-qualified and all that stuff. If you are ready to reach out and make contact, one number rings all of our offices. It's 543-LOAN, uh, which is 543-5626. You can call right now. We have somebody in the office. But the bottom line is we want to we be considered that resource. Um, we used to sell on price that we were the cheapest in town and... Uh, we're still the cheapest, but today we're just talking about being the best. So put us to work for you. Let us help you uh, buy or refi a house with Central Coast Lending. Guys, we'll be back next week with more Mortgage Matters. Thanks so much for being with us.